Welcome to Education Honestly. We are your hosts. I'm Shanna. And I'm Claire. Education Honestly is a podcast for passionate educators like you who wish to explore the many facets of education. We are your hosts, Shanna and Claire. We explore the world of education from the point of curiosity, sharing your thoughts and experiences, and exploring the current education climate. Connect with us on social media by going to our website, www.educationhonestly.ca. On today's episode, we will be discussing virtual learning in 2020. We are joined by Andrea, a current virtual teacher and digital lead in Ontario. We'll have an ominous conversation about teaching online and its ups and downs. Welcome to Education Honestly. I'm Shanna. And I'm Claire. In today's episode, we are taking a glimpse into the world of digital learning and virtual schools. With us today is digital lead educator and virtual school teacher, Andrea. She is a five-year teaching veteran and has been a blended learning teacher for four years. Andrea is a self-proclaimed Google fanatic and has embedded her passions for digital teaching and learning into her pedagogical practice so to meet the needs of her diverse students. Welcome, Andrea. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Hello, hello. We're super excited to have you. Yeah, we are. This is going to be great. We are so excited to hear about what exactly a digital lead educator is and does. Well, um, it's basically a professional learning network of volunteer elementary and secondary teachers interested and dedicated to supporting the curricular use of technology. So we build ours and others educational technology capacity in each family of schools through a sustainable professional learning model. We support the curricular use of technology and foster innovative practices and educational technologies in classrooms. So it's been a great set of skills that I've been able to apply in virtual school currently going on um, and which started back in March of this year. And I've been a huge lover and user of of GAF, so Google Apps for Education, and even took part um, in the Google conference about two years ago. So I find my students have really um, benefited from this application in, in in real and in virtual classroom because it really reaches every student. This piece is... Um, it's a big concern, I think, overall for for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways I kind of equate it to is, you know, we're all being thrown back into almost a state of being like a first year teacher where Hmm. we're having to learn a new style, learn a new way of connecting with students. And I think that is, you know, creating that, you know, that domino effect. I don't know that that's just the way I'm feeling and what I'm noticing. I know for myself, shifting to the virtual world was, you know, quite a struggle. And I did it, you know, like, the first time 15 years ago, believe it or not. And I know it took me a really long time to learn that for myself, I just didn't always like to be engaging the kids through a screen. I like to have the students that I was working with through through blended learning to actually have resource in front of them. Now, my situation was a little bit different because the kids were coming to school and then we were doing this kind of blended learning outside of school time too while I was experimenting with blended learning. So I guess my my bottom line is, is that I was actually creating, you know, kits of hands-on materials that the kids would come into school, collect from me, and then we'd all go home and jump on our computers and, 
experiment this. So, um, you know, it took me a while to get to that fluency. So I, I can completely gather where you're coming from, but I couldn't imagine teaching French immersion, like my hats off to you, Andrea, like that just must be such a challenge. Well, it is. And I mean, like with this whole, I mean, if you separate it, like the educators who are learning all these pieces, um, who are all at kind of various levels, but like you said, it takes years to learn it and to learn it well and to become an expert at it. And I think what happens is that people try to, you know, educators and with their students try to take on too many pieces. And I think that, you know, you have to choose kind of one thing that you really want to become a master at and, and go at it. But right now everyone's being thrown so much, so many digital resources, so many digital tools. And, you know, for me, even loving this stuff, I'm finding it quite overwhelming. And it's just like, I just want to be a master kind of at like, you know, one or two things, like I said, like, you know, that assistive technology, I think is extremely important, like that, you know, read and write, for Chrome and um, and yeah and like the Google apps for me are are fantastic. Brightspace is something that I'm slowly learning more of, but I think what's happening is that educators are feeling like a little um, a little overwhelmed and they're not maybe able to connect as much as they'd like to with their students. Um, and you know, going back full circle to that social emotional piece where like that social need that you know kids need and we all need I think is one of the biggest things because everyone's trying to juggle everyone's trying to learn all this stuff and everyone's trying to balance it and we're putting it on the kids heads and you know some some are tech savvy and some aren't and they want to learn it they all want to learn it they all you know it it, it it funny enough it it keeps some of the kids super organized too right because mm-hmm. everything's kind of in its place but um there's just I and there's just too much going on. I think there's just too much going on. So, and is that your biggest challenge or what is your biggest challenge? Well, my biggest challenge has actually been taking care of myself um, through all of the life changes and work changes. I found that when I asked for the answers, there are not many provided. So, you know, from the people that I'm, I'm seeking answers from, they don't typically have them. And so, you know, just trying to stay positive and be kind to myself and have some fun with the kids and have some fun, you know, with my family. And, um, you know, I, I felt, I I felt connected to others in my situation, like other educators, my colleagues, and just knowing that I'm not alone has, has actually helped quite a bit. Um, And what's your biggest success? Well, I had a virtual classroom up and running for my students in less than 24 hours. I, um, yeah, I, I went from a brick and mortar position to a virtual position and I was given no planning time. Um, and that sounds unfair. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I was told it's because the families had been waiting. So I know that there was some controversy in the news about, you know, virtual school being delayed, delayed, delayed. So anyway, I'm pretty proud of that because I, I ran with it and I had it up and running and it's been going, you know, pretty, pretty smoothly. I mean, of course there's definitely been bumps, but, um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, again, I, I attribute that to my, just, just to my like self sort of my self interest in it. Um, however, you know, not other teachers may not have had these skills in place to be able to do that. And so, you know, I've tried to offer my support as much as I can and actually have, have met and been in contact with some really fabulous 
digital, you know, digital learn, digital lead um, educators as well. And just, you know, I have a colleague right now, he's got like his master's in, um, in, in, in basically technology and like education. And he's like, I, I find virtual teaching easier than in class. And I'm just like, okay, so like, wow, blown away, like want to pick his brain about that anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely been some of like my biggest challenge and my biggest success. You are listening to Education Honestly podcast with your hosts, Claire and Shanna. Connect with us on social media by going to our website at www.educationhonestly.ca. Okay, I have an on the spot question for you first. If you had to choose Brightspace or Google Classroom, what's your gut? Go. Um, ooh, I've been learning. So, so something that people don't know is Brightspace has been around for like a really long time, like many, many, many years. And yes, it is. I'll jump in. It used to be called, yeah, it used to be called desire to learn D2L. That was actually the platform that I've been using. Yeah. So, um, so despite the fact that it's been around, it's like a, it's been around for probably longer than we've had the, 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 uh, contract with Google. I prefer Google. Um, so the reason is because Google is super user-friendly, um, super simple, and it's great for beginners. Great, great, great for beginners. Um, Brightspace, not so much. Um, Brightspace actually has a better virtual classroom platform. So like they're, they're, you're able to actually do like better group work in Brightspace, like, like breakout rooms. But Google and everything else just has everything bang on connected. Um, and, and I just find it to be 100% if you're like me being thrown into a virtual classroom in 24, you've got 24 hours to set it up or whatever. Google class, like Google all the way, Google all the way. So what I'm hearing is there's some long-term benefits to Brightspace. And if you have the time to plan, it's very good. But when you're thrown in quick, fast, Google meets those needs more. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. It also fits my narrative for preferring Google Classroom, but you know, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> so are you another self-proclaimed Google fanatic, Shanna? No, not, not, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm sure Andrea can appreciate this. I, when we got thrown into the deep end in um, the spring, I panicked for a minute. I set up what I could, but I also wasn't using the prescribed platform. So that's how I managed for quite a while. Right. And we were allowed to get away with that, but I wouldn't be allowed to get away with that today. Things have changed. So I'm really impressed with your ability to adapt and move so quickly. That's awesome. So and in all, oh sorry, in all confession too, I'm a Brightspace D2L person. That's my platform of choice. See, well, they've they've improved it a lot. They they actually have improved it a lot. Um, and I mean, these are just like LMSs, right? Like learning management systems. And then we've got all these other amazing tools that companies are pushing out right now, like Knowledge Hook. Um, MathUp is like you know the on the ministry. Um the ministry resource they're, they're putting out right now. Yep. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's loads, there's loads of, of stuff out there. So Jamboard is, you know, is a Google, um, is like a whiteboard and it's, there's just so, there's so much, but like I said. And you know, we're talking about public sector. Absolutely. Um, learning management systems, but there's a whole wide range of learning management, management systems in the private sector, uh, 
pedagogy and andragogy section. So the learning study of students learning and adult learning. So yeah, lots to go. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually jumping into knowledge hook with my own child en français. And um, oh. that has been, it, 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 it was not what I was expecting. And so I'm learning along with him. So it's, it, it's, it's been interesting. And I kudos to those of you who are navigating everything perfectly. I'm here for any lessons you want to share. <laughs> from the parental side right everybody can get in contact with shanna who wants to share their expertise and mentor her (laughs) or do homework so andrea what yeah it's true so andrea what are some of your barriers to learning and some of the benefits to learning um well so i think in and kind of going full circle and and just everything that's out there. I mean, we've, we've touched, we've only scraped the surface really. And, um, you know, everything that's out there, despite everything that's out there, I think the biggest barrier to learning is, is equity. Um, so how do we create a virtual environment where all students can be successful? If not all of them have the same resources, materials, and devices at home, you know, so that's a really good question to think about. So we can even a printer, right? Not everybody might have a printer. Well, exactly. And let alone have a printer, but be able to afford the ink for a printer. Um, Or, you know, it's so there's various, there's a a huge spectrum of, of situations at home, you know, because we can easily provide this in a real classroom, right? Where we, we make sure that there's a, you know, the resources that, that meets everyone's individual needs are there. But at home, we don't have that control. We don't have that ability. We can ask, mm-hmm. but even asking, you know, you have to be very careful what, what you're expecting from, from the families that are in your classroom. And it, it can vary. So, um, you know, some parents are, are, are some families are, are working too, right? Like they're Absolutely. so, so, you know, it's, it's really just not possible right now to have to meet the, you know, the equitable needs of, of, of every learner and, and the learners that are suffering the most, you know, are the, are the marginalized learners who, who benefit from the classroom and the resources we provide them in the programs at, at school, but don't have them now at home. So I think that that's one of the biggest um, barriers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, also not being, not being beside them to both support and challenge them academically, oh, yeah. while, you know, while attending to all their needs, it's, it's, it's not, possible and I think that that's um that's presenting some some challenges too you know I can't control what or how they're doing things on the other side of their of their screen at home you know they just they have to find it within themselves or you know families have to work with their kids to build that motivation that you know in really in intrinsic motivation I mean we can have some 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 rewards and things like that but like it's so I think that those are those are some some barriers. Um, yeah. So you when- know, I was going to say, like, you, you know, during the, the first round in the lockdown, I had many conversations with my sister who would call me, you know, curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use a positive word, curious about how to get her children to sit in front of the computer and do the work. And I think and her kids are elementary age children mm-hmm. students um and i think a lot of parents uh, I, I guess i'm going to say don't really realize that they need to be sitting beside their child and and 
the response that I always got from my sister was like, how I have to work. I have to do this. I cannot be sitting beside them. They have to do it on their own. And, you know, there is self-control learning, you know, and we've talked about learning skills and work habits. This is definitely a work habit that, you know, students have been thrust into. And that's that self-control, self-determination, self-resilience that they require to sit in front of of a computer, to sit in that digital world and take control of their own learning. Um, and meeting their own needs because they don't have that educator in front of them, you know, pushing them along and, and um, really getting to know the student where they're at. I remember having a conversation just last week, actually, with a teacher who was saying that during the course of an online lesson, she questioned whether or not a student um, had actually done had not done their work because they didn't get the email or just because they didn't want to do the work. Um, And she put it very diplomatically as far as I could tell. And, and she said that the parent, you know, got very upset for asking that legitimate question. But I know that if I was in the classroom, I would have said that, well, did you really not take it home or, you know, you know, like, was it really left here in the classroom or was it, you took it home and you just didn't really want to do it? Like, which one really was it? And I think, I think you're right that question that. Right. And so that's just kind of our reality. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was gonna say, and from the teaching parent point of view, when we were Mm -hmm. locked down originally, my kids watched an extraordinary amount of screens because in order to maintain my job and their education, something had to give at certain points of the day. And the thought of having to do that again is quite alarming for me because if we were to keep to the over 200 minutes of synchronous learning and managing your own children, that's not plausible as far as I can tell from my experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, Kudos to you for managing five minutes, let alone the whole day. I'm really impressed. And Andrea, well, you said there's some benefits. What are some of the benefits to learning online? Well, I think I think if everyone like saw this coming, like maybe we could have, you know, all, pre- you know, but, but it's preparation is 100% like the, the, the cloud over us right now. The kids mm-hmm. just are not prepared. And the ones, like I said, who are, are kind of being, you know, are being, let's say, left behind without the actual tools and resources that they need right because they just it's just not possible for them to have what they need or to have a person there with them um but you know despite that I guess we're kind of building the plane and flying it at the same time so it's like pushing the learning skills so students are truly now learning deeply what it means to have independency skills and the deep meaning of responsibility and accountability Mm -hmm. Students, even at a young age, are are kind of pushed into learning to become more accountable for their choices, decisions, and overall effort. And I think I think this will help them in the long run. And I think you know I think I think the future they're going to look back on this experience and and probably have 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 gained something from it. And I think those are the things they would have they would have gained. I think. Well, I have to say, I think you are quite right. And uh, Andrea, we we would just like to thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on to Education Honestly and sharing your experiences with us and our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Thank you very much. Um, so for those who are listening, you can find out this information in the show notes, but don't forget to follow us through our social media of Instagram and Facebook uh, at Education Honestly. And our website is up and running so we can be found at www.educationhonestly.ca. And um, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Till next time.